You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. And on August 21st, you can join other conservationists all over the world in supporting Community Conservation Day. It's a day for anyone to give their time and or dollars back to their local ecosystems and favorite conservation causes. For more information on how you can participate, visit fishandwildlife.org. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your hosts, Nate Thomas and Michael Winstead. How are you today, my friend? Oh, it was a day. It was a long day. I think we both had long days, but that's just part. It was, it felt like a Monday almost. Sounds like someone's got a case of the Mondays. Mondays when it's actually a Thursday. And that might be the case. That might be why it's thrown off because we usually podcast on Mondays. We do usually, yeah. This is like the first Thursday we've done. In a long time. Very long time. Yeah. So that that's weird. But Is that normal? <laughs> I don't know. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't even know what you're quoting there. Uh, office space. You've never seen that, huh? No, I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm just trying to think of what part that is. But it's that, uh, yeah, I was it not get into it. It don't matter. We've had a lot go on the last uh, the few, I guess, week or five, seven days, something like that. Yeah, man. Tell me about it. You took uh, little man out hunting for youth. You were at, we were worried that you weren't going to be able to go because he's you know got baseball. Yeah, on our last show, uh, I actually even mentioned something about hoping that. It was going to be later in the day yeah. so that you could get him out in the morning. So what So what happened? So we got the schedule, and he actually didn't play his first game till 2.30 on Saturday. Perfect. And then, long story short, the Saturday games got rained out anyways. Yeah. So we woke up Saturday morning, and it was pouring rain here. Yeah, it did. And rain. I don't have a blind. Well, I do have a blind, but I don't like hunting out of blind. So I told him, I'm like, dude, we're not going this morning. And it wasn't like a – it was a steady – Hard rain. And it was 45 degrees. Right. So I don't blame you for not wanting to get out in that. And uh, so uh, like 11, 11 o'clock rolled around or whatever, and or maybe a little later, noon, and the rain stopped. And so I, I said, hey, I'll, we're going to go and took them out. And uh, so this is, <clears throat> this is the first time I've ever taken one of my children hunting where they are the hunter. Right, and you've I'm always taken them just with me. Yeah, with you done. So it was, and I, you know, I didn't have a firearm. I'm, I'm not hunting youth season, obviously. So uh-huh. it was, it was totally Caden, and we practiced with <laughs> the 12 gauge 
which is a little big for him, but he did a good job. Um, you know, we practice how to do it and how to shoot, and uh, he was ready to go. And so, I'll be honest, dude, I didn't think we were going to see anything. Sure. Uh, the property we went to, um, they had been back, but I just didn't. I thought they'd probably moved off, and you know. Uh, anyways, uh, we get there, and Andy was like, "Actually, I just saw Tom strutting like fifteen hundred yards away, uh, not anywhere near where we could hunt, but." not that far away. So you thought, well, there could be Turkey coming, you know? So him and I, uh, we set up, we, we had a little hen out and didn't see anything. Uh, got up, popped up over this hill and we see two Turkey out in a neighboring farm. So I, uh, sneaked the little hen out in the field and we start, and they're like 300 yards away and we can't go over there. So I had to try to get them to come to us. Right. I mean, I hit the box call and, I I think they might have looked that direction were potentially. They, could you tell what they were? were I'm they pretty talking? sure they were hens, but I couldn't even tell then. I didn't have my binoculars with me. Oh, okay. Um, which I know you can't shoot a hen, so right. it was just one of them deals that the way they were acting, they never never strutted. Yeah, or so I just so. by the end of it, and they started working away from us anyway. I thought they were hens, so I said, "Hey, bud, let's let's get out of here. They're not coming, and I don't think they're toms anyway." So. We we worked our way back down to the corner of this field, and I had two thoughts in my mind. We could sit back up in this corner, set the decoy out, or I could slowly work through the timber to the other side of the timber where there's other fields and set up there. So my, my idea was to, you know, move 50, 80, 100 yards and call and mm-hmm. see if anything responds. We had not heard a single call yet yeah. or, you know, a gobble or anything. So we get, you know, 80 yards into this timber and I hit the box call and immediately 50 yards away from us. <laughs> and I mean, right there. And I'm like, oh no, we're in trouble. Cause I wasn't set up. I mean, right, we were not ready for, we were, it. you know, I was hoping something was like 250 yards away so we could move in, set up. And right. that was not what happened. So I, I said, Caden, let's go get behind this tree. Uh, we get behind this tree. I look around the tree and I see the Tom coming straight our way, right down this fence line towards us. So I get his shooting sticks out for him. Um, I set the the shotgun on the shooting sticks. And this is the cool part about taking your kids. You have to think about all these little things for them. Yeah. um, You know, that are second nature to you. Right. Uh, Like taking the safety off the gun. Right. He knows how to do it, but I didn't want him to have to worry about it. So I set him up. I said, Caden, this turkey's going to come right through here. He's going to show up right there. As soon as you see his head, let him have it. Blouch. I said, your safety's off. So, okay, Dad. And as the turkey's working its way, I'm shaking. I'm like, yep, <laughs> yep, that's called the fever. Good job. Uh, anyway, so I'm kind of watching and getting ready for him, and, and I look back around the tree, and this, this Tom had kind of <laughs> veered off and came right to us 10 yards on the other side of this tree. Oh, geez. And I'm like, oh, no, no. So I, I'm like, hey, Caden, he is right on the other side of the tree. Lift the gun out of the sticks, let them fall to the ground, and swing around. He goes, Dad, I can't do it. I said, yeah, you can. We practiced this when we got here. Remember, you can hold that gun, and I'll be right here. Okay, okay. So he swings the gun around, and I said, do you see him? Do you see him? I can only see the top of his head. 
or his, his head, I think is what he said. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's all you need. Yeah, and then shit. about that time, he had moved. moved. He had moved. Yeah. So the, the turkey moved off uh, probably another 60, 70 yards, and I, I called back to him. And he turns back around and starts coming. He got within like 40 yards, 50 yards maybe back towards us. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want Caden taking that shot, right. especially free-handed because sure. uh, he didn't have the sticks at that time. You know, I would have taken that shot if I were hunting, quote-unquote, right. but um, I wasn't going to let him take it. And so he didn't get a chance, but he got to see him. He heard the gobble, obviously. He got, he got to see him. He had a nice beard. Yeah. Um, but then the whole next day, that's all he could talk about. Oh, I bet he so was annoying. We, <laughs> yes. We actually – so we had to go to church in the morning. Yeah. And then uh, before his tournament, they played on Sunday. We left at like 11 – Went and hunted for an hour, and and came back to get to take off for his uh, tournament. And he we didn't see anything Sunday, but yeah, that was pretty awesome. I mean, honestly, more for me, <laughs> he was. I mean, just I really enjoyed taking him, and uh, hopefully, when this season, the turkey season, actually hits, I'm I'm gonna have a tag because I think I have to have one to take him hunting. But I'm not not planning. I on don't it. think I'm planning on hunting myself. Really? I'm just gonna take him again. Okay. Now, does that mean I won't have a shotgun in my hand? Might, I might, just in case take he has the, a problem. Why don't you take the bow? That's not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, so that way, like, if they get hung up or something like that, you can go for that long shot. Maybe. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. You know. So, uh, yeah. My turkey season's screwed. Yep, because <laughs> this is uh, the other cool part of uh, today. Um, we are recording this on April 15th, I think. Uh, yep, April 15th. Your wife, my sister, is starting to have contractions. Yeah, she was worried about me coming over tonight. Yeah, and I uh, don't. Th- I mean, well, first off, she's never not to get too TMI with everybody, but like with the other two kids, <laughs> I don't want to hear this. The other two kids, we got induced both kids, so she doesn't know what contractions feel like. So she's thinking something's going on, but either way. Come Monday, we're having a kid. Yeah, so because we're getting induced Monday. By the time our listeners hear this story, you should have a new child. Yeah, yeah. Lord, or hear this podcast, not yeah, the story. Lord will, and every hopefully everything goes good. Yeah, so pretty exciting. I about got in a fight with the. Now that we're having, <laughs> <laughs> now that we're having a new kid, I drive a truck. My wife drives an, another truck, just because. Long story short, we just got two trucks, and that's one of our other cars went down. I gave her a truck. So, but with the new baby, two car seats, booster, it's going to be a little difficult. <laughs> so, she wants to get a minivan. Fine with that. Cool. Went to, and but. You're not too proud? I'm not too proud. I mean, she wants the Honda Odyssey. I think they look pretty sharp. You know, they're pretty good little vans or whatever. But. So you, you you can't find nothing in today's market because you know all the dealers and stuff they were are all the you know builders and stuff they were down so you can't find anything new, so everything is used and everything's really expensive because of the market. 
we went to look at one the other day, and I swear I about punched this sales guy in the face. I'm not going to get too much into it, <laughs> but I just – and I'm sorry if you sell cars for a living and you're a salesman. Don't take it to heart. But this guy, I just could not stand him. He was just that true, I'm going to ram this deal down your throat, and it's going to work out, and blah, blah, blah. It, it turns out we didn't buy the van, didn't end up buying it, but I was just like – is this what I'm going to have to deal with for the next until I can find a new van for Maybe. my wife? I don't know, man. I'm telling you though, when we so yeah, we you know this, but we actually drove to Oklahoma to buy right. a car. Yeah, uh, what six months ago or something like that. Sure, and that was the that had to be the easiest dealings I've ever had. See, that's nice. We show up, he's got the car ready for us. We take it for a drive. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to. He doesn't go with us, which I hate when the salesman has to come with you, you know, yeah, I understand why they have to, if they do, but he didn't, he's like, Nope, go. Yeah. We come back. I'm like, Hey, this is what I want to give you. This is what I want for our car. He's like, uh, I'll give you that for the car. And sure. And it was over. I mean, like five minutes. Yeah. See, that did not happen with this. Cause I mean, I guess if we're going to get into, it, we're going to get into it. But <laughs> so we go there, and it's a 2018. I'm sure the listener really wants to hear I'm this. I'm sure story they care, anyway. but they might get a little enjoyment out of it. <laughs> I'm like, it's a 2018 with 40,000 miles on it. The thing should be in pretty dang good shape, if we're just being honest. It wasn't. It had some scratches. It was. It was kind of beat up for the year and the mileage. I'm like, this thing. I don't. It's probably had a rough life already. But I was like, okay, I'll test drive it. I test drove it. First gear shifts extremely hard for a 2018 with 40,000 miles on it. And so we do a little test drive and stuff. And this guy, he's a younger guy or whatever. And he, he's just trying to, you know, make conversation, whatever. And he's like, so, so what are you thinking of the car? I'm like, well, to be honest with you, man, it shifts really hard out of first gear. It was, that was the only gear. I'm like, for, for a 2018 with 40,000 miles, I think it should shift better than that. I don't know for sure. I'd have to talk to some guys. And he goes, oh, well, in my experience, you know, most Hondas, they always have a higher, you know, breakover point or whatever. Or whatever. He was kind of BS me. I was like, it's a 2018 with 40,000 miles. It should shift smooth as butter. My Chevy with 250,000 miles shifts better than what this thing does. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're, I just could tell he's full of BS. And it so, was at that moment. It was at that moment that your guys' uh, relationship started turning south. <laughs> yeah. So we go in there, and I'm like, they said they would take it to a transmission shop of my choosing, which I know an ex- one of the best transmission guys in the state of Missouri. So I was like, okay, I'll play that game. And but anyways, we got to dealing. We got down to the numbers of it and what they would give me for my truck and stuff, and it just did not work out. And he got i maybe got a little aggressive kind of quick and i was like no and we we ended up storming out of there it was it was humorous but yeah i'm sure people i'm sure people are very turned off by now but yeah we haven't even got into the show <laughs> we haven't even got into the show but oh well but no today uh we have the show me fly guy on yeah tyler dykes yeah so he he's actually he's local he works local to us he's down the road he works with my father-in-law kind of I mean, they work for the same, same school, district. Yeah. same district, but uh, he's an awesome guy. We have him on. He talks all kinds of different stuff about fly fishing, what he does. I mean, he goes fly fishing for bass, crappie, even catfish. Never would have thought somebody would tell me that they could go fly fishing for catfish, but this guy Man, That's what he chooses. He doesn't fish yeah. for any of those yeah. fish the quote-unquote normal way you would fish for. Right. So he does 
all sorts of different things. He also has a really cool uh, program that he does with the Delta Woods. Yeah, Delta uh, Woods. Delta Woods Middle School Fly Fishing Club. Yeah, so he he's a teacher at Delta Woods, and he has a club, and so he picks up and he talks more into it. But he certain number of kids he you know mentors all year round doing different fly fishing stuff and they go on trips and all things so that's really cool and but yeah so we'll get into the show uh we've done enough bs and uh <laughs> yeah, <we have. laughs> yeah so enjoy the show guys this is the missouri woods and water podcast with us today our buddy tyler dykes show me fly guy tyler what's going on man not much what's going on fellas not a whole lot. Long just, day. Yeah, it's been a crazy day for me, and I'm sure <laughs> you as well. But man, it's just been nonstop all day today. So one of them days. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Tyler had an interesting day. Interesting day. Uh, Micah is on the verge of having a child <laughs> any moment <laughs> and now. Might have to run out here. So this yep. could be a show that just turns into the Tyler and Nate show. Yeah, we we'll don't see. Know. <laughs> we'll uh, see. And God bless you if that happens. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, we're excited though, to talk to Tyler, uh, Tyler and I, uh, messaged back and forth, goodness, months ago, uh, yeah. about getting you on. And I kind of, I wanted to kind of wait until there's a little more fishing season and, uh, then opening day of, of, uh, I guess you'd call it trout season, uh, where you can start going to Bennett and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. when was that on a March 1st? Uh, March. Yep. Yeah. Um, my plan was to think about having you on then, and then I, I thought, no, we'll wait. So I've, it's kind of been in the works for several months, so we're excited to finally do this. But um, before we get into this topic, uh, Tyler, why don't you introduce yourselves and then uh, interse- introduce yourself and um, tell us about what Show Me Fly Guy is. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Like, it, it, it's flattering to, to, to be asked by you guys to be on here. Uh, so thank you very much. We're pretty big uh, time. I don't know if you know. Yeah. We're a pretty big deal. <laughs> I know. You guys are Missouri famous. Uh, I don't even know about that. I, yeah, I don't even know if that oh, is okay. true. Famous oh, in my own bare, mind. Bare minimum Missouri famous. Uh, <laughs> there you go. But no, like the the whole show me fly guy thing, actually, it, it's kind of a funny story. It was, uh, I, I kept a fishing journal for years. And uh, I, I literally ran out of pages in my hardback fishing journal that I bought from Barnes and Noble. And um, I'm a middle school science teacher and the, uh, the librarian, and I was talking to the librarian in my school because her husband fishes. And I said, Hey, like, you know where I could find this journal? Like I want to keep writing. She, what are you writing? What are you doing? Like, no, you need to, you need to go online. You need to put everything online. And I was like, well, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that, but, I was like, you know what? I'll throw it out there. If, if people read it, great. If not, eh, at least I'm still journaling and keeping track of everything that I've done. Well, fast forward five years, the the online journal turned into a blog and the blogs created an Instagram account, which made a Facebook page, which made a YouTube channel, which created an Etsy store where I sell flies online. And it is just increase oh and a tiktok account like it, it's just it it never stops growing and i love it like it it's it's just a way to connect with people and just share my experiences and i hope that my experiences help people catch more fish and get out on the water and maybe get out of their comfort zone a little bit and just do some things that 
you know, maybe they've never done before. They look at something I do and they think, oh, well, shoot, it can't be that hard. This idiot does it. Like, I'll try that. Or that's an interesting twist on something. I'm going to give that a try. And if it ends up helping people catch more fish, well, then that was the whole point in the very beginning. Like that, that's always been the point. It's yeah. to make things interesting and maybe entertaining. Hopefully yeah. more. That's a similar reason as to why we started this podcast. Right. You know, yep. Learning more. Sure. Absolutely. And another cool thing about Show Me Fly Guy is, uh, is you actually won the Conservation Federation's Communicator of the Year Award. Yeah, that was that was a huge shock. Like, I'll be honest, I, I didn't even know the award existed. I, I've been involved with the Conservation Federation for, a, well, a little over a year now. And um, I, I, I've come to appreciate the, the, the work that they do for Missourians and everything they do, kind of the behind the scenes stuff for, for conservation in the state of Missouri. And, um, you know, they asked me to do a little bit of writing for them and they invited me to to some events and I was more than happy to show up. And then I get a call from the director, Tyler Schwartz, one day that says, Hey, congratulations. You've been named the conservation communicator of the year. And I, I was just blown away by that. And, and they had some very, very nice things to say and, uh, and an incredible award ceremony that I thought when they gave me the award, I was like, yeah, that's me. I'm big dive. And then I saw the <laughs> Like, no, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, but it's still pretty cool to be on the totem pole. <laughs> yeah, at least you're on it. At least you know? you're on the pole. Right? Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's me. And then I saw like the Lifetime Achievement Award. And I was like, <laughs> I write a blog. <laughs> hey, at least you write. I, I can't even string a sentence together. Yeah, well, we have a hard time posting a picture every once in a while. So <laughs> you're definitely getting yeah, us you guys out of the get water. The field. Don't sell yourself short. I've seen the picture. <laughs> no, I'm not even joking, dude. Um, and the listeners get a kick out of this. So every week, I you know I put together a little you know, paragraph or two about each shows, mm-hmm. each show, and what the show's about. There's times yeah. that it takes me three hours to decide what I'm going to type, <laughs> and even then, I'm like, this is stupid. I, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm a horrible writer. That's, oh, that's yeah. one profession. I'm glad I didn't try to to go down. <laughs> hey, but you don't quit. You don't give up, and I'm, what you put out is there's not not a doggone thing wrong with it. Yeah. So don't feel bad. <laughs> So, uh, so show me fly guys is pretty well, you you got a website, uh, which we'll, we'll kind of link or plug all those at the end here, um, That's fine. where people can go to, uh, get blogs, um, is pretty much everything from your website, uh, linked all your social media and your YouTube channel and all that stuff linked from your website. Yeah, it's, it's all connected. Nice. Um, you know, the, 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 the website came along first and then the website send people to the YouTube channel and the YouTube channel sends people to the website and the Instagram, you know, account sends people to the blog and the blog sends people to Instagram. So yeah, right. it, it's all connected and it's, it all kind of promotes each other. That's awesome. So let's talk about uh, fly fishing, which yeah. is going to have a, an interesting twist for the listener. Um, now, anybody that already follows you will understand when we get into this uh, subject in a, a few minutes, but um what made you start your passion for uh, just fishing in general, but then getting into fly fishing? At, at what point did this become a problem for you? Like, it, you know, hunting is for us. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. It was Pandora's box. Yeah. It has created so many problems for me. <laughs> so many <laughs> wonderful things too. So I, I was, I was lucky enough to have grandparents on both sides of my family that, loved to fish and were incredible fishermen. The funny thing is my mom's mom 
So my grandma on my mom's side, um, that woman could catch fish, catfish out of a farm pond like you've never seen before. And then my dad's dad, he was a heck of a fisherman too. Like he could, he could catch white bass out of a pothole. Like that guy <laughs> was incredible. And so it was just, I, I, I tell people kind of jokingly, but kind of seriously, it, it's kind of in the DNA. Like I was just kind of born into it. Like it, it wasn't much of an option. Um, and then, so I was really big into it when I was younger. And then I got into high school and got into college and I got out of college and, um, you know, I started to pick up fishing a little bit more. And, and my dad, who I was living with my parents at the time, right after I graduated from college, um, he thought I was around the house a little too much. And he decided to get me out of the house a little bit more. He'd give me a fly rod for Christmas. And that was the beginning of the end. Like that was it. Like that set the ball in motion. And after, like, as soon as I bought it or as soon as I got it, um, I wanted to learn everything. Like I, I, there was, I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. I wanted to know absolutely every little intricate detail, which you can spend a lifetime doing that and you still won't learn it all. But like in my early twenties, I wanted to master the whole thing. So I was, I mean, this was back in the early two thousands. I was checking out VHS tapes from mid continent public library and, you know, um, you know, re checking out every book I could find and, you know, doing all, it was just all encompassing. And the thing that probably pushed me more than anything was that I was awful at it. <laughs> I mean, historically bad. I will never forget the day at Bennett Springs. Yeah. <laughs> at Bennett Springs State Park, I wanted, I almost took my fly rod and reel, put it under the back driver's side tire of my pickup truck and wanted to back over it, drive over it, and back over it one more time. <laughs> and that's what pushed me because I was, I was pretty much self-taught. But then that was the fuel that I needed to, to really like make it a huge part of my life. And, and that's what it's become um, maybe to a unhealthy degree, but still fine. Like it, I could be debatable. There's, there's worse <laughs> things you could be well, doing. That's my point. Yeah. Right. Right. Like I can't get arrested for fly fishing. Like unless I, you don't have a tag or something like that. And <laughs> even then I don't think you can get arrested. I think you just, you know, <laughs> pay a fine. But, but that was, that was really how it happened. And then a year later, my dad was like, Hey, you kind of, kind of figured out that fly fishing deal. Here's a fly tying kit. And I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Step number two. <laughs> what am I getting next year? A boat. <laughs> <laughs> and the next year I got a boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's well, kind of, I mean, well, just with the flies. I mean, my father-in-law, Nathan's dad, he yeah. does a little bit of fly tying and stuff. I mean, there's a, you can get into that. That's a deep rabbit hole to go down. That is a whole nother world. Um, so I know people that love fly tying more than they love fly fishing. Like I know people that tie flies, but don't fly fish. I mean, they, they are two totally different things, but when you put them together, it's a, it's a pretty amazing experience to, to, I mean, catching a fish on a fly rod, you're, you're inherently making something harder than it needs to be. Just put on a night crawler and call it even like you'll catch fish without a problem. Right. But when you like the reason I fly fish is the same reason bass fishermen probably fish with lures. Like that's more satisfying and gratifying than just using live bait. Well, this is taking it to another level and making it even harder, but again, more satisfying and gratifying in the long run. So 
when you catch a fish on a fly rod, like that's kind of a big deal. When you catch a fish on a fly rod on a fly that you tied, a bare hook, just a bare hook that had nothing on it, and you turn that thing into something that'll catch 10, 15, 20 fish in a day, like there's not a better feeling in the world. Like yeah. that is that is pretty spectacular. Yeah, and like what Micah was saying, and actually Tyler, you and my dad, uh, we've talked about this before, but you and my dad actually work for the same school district. and That's right, that's uh, right. My dad he didn't start fly fish. He's fished his whole life. And that's what I grew up doing was I'd go camping with my parents and, and go fishing. I didn't hunt until I was a little older, but, uh, he probably didn't start fly fishing until he was, I mean, in his late forties, probably. What do you think? I would say so. I mean, it was shortly after me and Amy started dating, I think. Yeah. So probably his late forties, early fifties. And when he got, (laughs) When he got into fly fishing, which my uncle Chuck <laughs> got him into it, and we actually had them on a show a long time ago, yes. my my dad and Uncle Chuck. But uh, my dad now owns probably five different rods and different reels that have different this and different that. He started tying his huh. own flies. Um, he could go out fly fishing every day, though. He literally would do it every I mean, day. So he gets it. Yeah, and and my dad's one of them fishermen that's not the biggest fan of eating fish. So my dad will go fishing and just catch them and release them, catch them and release them all day long. Which I don't get that. Which <laughs> I, I can do it for a little bit, but I want, I'll want i eat them. Yeah. They taste too I think good. he will too, but he just doesn't care to. He doesn't care to. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I am the exact same way. And it's not because like I'm catch and release and sportsman, blah, 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 blah. I just don't like their flavor and texture. Like that's just me. And, and I, maybe I get that from my dad. My dad was like, oh, we just catch him for the sport and let him go. Okay, that's fine. Like, but yeah, I, I if they tasted like T-bones, I'd be murdering fish. Like, <laughs> I, would, I would limit out as often as I possibly could. Yeah, no, I get it. And that's, of course, then my dad, and you might be the same way. Um, When he does something, he's just like you, you mentioned with yourself, he goes all out. And mm-hmm. then he also only has to have the best of the best things. So every rod of his is not cheap. Every reel is, it's either Orvis or, you know, whatever, high dollar, you know. And, I mean, I think my mother is a little regretful that she allowed him to start. (laughs) Start a new hobby. (laughs) Start that hobby. (laughs) Uh, Heck, my fly rod that I've got and reel is, is one that I think it was his first one. Mm-hmm. that he let me start using and, and let me have it and it's been sitting in my basement for five years at least without well, when use. you got kids at our age yeah. i mean yeah well, that'll do it yeah well i took brindley i took brindley fishing it was two weekends ago i think it was and i went we went to the store uh i wanted to get some live just get some worms because i mean it's my parents pond and i was like well i kind of need to get a new rod so i picked up a rod i didn't even get to string it because i was Yep. Dealing with them the whole time. My boy, he was all over the place. He caught a few fish. Brindley, she caught 23 fish. So I was just literally taking fish off of hooks and putting new bait yep. and stuff like that. So I didn't even get to fish. Yeah. but I don't even take a rod with me anymore down yeah, to the pond. I got just, you're, just, you're just making a deposit on future fishing trips. That's all you're doing. Right, yeah. 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 We'll get to make a withdrawal eventually. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's talk about tying flies a little bit more in detail. Um I I kind of I guess I'll kind of let you take the reins here, but um, 
kind of tell us what goes into your decisions and what you do when you tie different flies. I mean, do you when you decide to, to make a certain fly, are you saying, okay, I'm going to target this type of fish because of this situation? Let's say it's you know April 15th and you know a hatch is coming up or whatever. How do you kind of decide what you're going to do and then go about doing it? Well, first of all, that that's a great question, and and, and it's it, it's it's tough because I would liken I would liken fly tying to almost like cooking, because when you first learn how to cook, you just follow step by step by step by step by step, like that's all you do, and and that's how you produce something good. Well, fly tying is the same way. When I first got into fly tying, um, I was watching videos on DVD and admittedly VHS and YouTube. <laughs> And it was do this, now do this, now do this, now do this. Okay, well, it was just follow step by step by step. And that, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, even I produce those videos every once in a while. But eventually you get to a point and you're like, I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. I want to see if my ideas will pan out the way I think they're going to. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I got a little rubber made on my fly tying desk and it says box of shame. <laughs> and everything that I tied, I'm like, Mm-mm, nope, didn't work, goes in the box of shame. So, but I mean, the way you decide what you're going to fish is, I mean, it's, it's, I know I'm a science teacher and this is going to sound like a hokey answer, but it's all an experiment. Like you're trying to figure out you know, what are the fish keying on and what, how can you imitate that best? Well, okay. Well, a, a trout on a Missouri stream is going to eat certain things at certain times of the year, but there's a little bit of crossover there because bluegill in another part of Missouri will eat the exact same thing at a different time of year. So, okay, well, you don't just have trout flies and you don't have just bluegill flies. Like there's a little bit of crossover there. Um, for example, I uh, I was out fishing on Tuesday night and I was fishing a fly that's called Bennett's Lunch Money. Um, I you, know Ryan. Do you name Walker, them all? I don't. <laughs> like I've named like I've named like one, maybe two, and one was I was when I was young and egotistical and I named it after myself. But <laughs> I don't even fish it anymore. But like this fly, it wasn't made famous by Ryan Walker of Ozark Smallmouth Alliance, but like this dude has like everybody are like the fly fishes nose. Like this is the small mouth fly. So I took it out on a, on a local pond here in Northwest Missouri. And I ended up catching some large mouth and actually a two pound channel cat on a fly rod. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, we got a little crossover here now, don't we? So when I would have maybe tied only one or two of those for small mouth fishing, well, shoot. Now I just opened the door to large mouth channel cat monster bluegill that might take this thing down. So it's, 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 you can't just tie one fly for one fish. You can tie, if, if you kind of start to learn the patterns, you can get really good at a few patterns that catch a lot of fish. Like there's a pattern of fly called a John Deere. And I don't know if it originated in Bennett Springs, but I mean, everybody at Bennett Springs knows it. But you can use, I've used a John Deere to catch rainbow trout at Bennett Springs. But then I've used it to catch grass carp, common carp, channel cats, largemouth, red ear, bluegill, hybrid bluegill, um, even fish I had to go home and look up to see what in the world they were. Um, so, I mean, there's there's some flies you can get into that are just all around. And then there's, you know, I don't think a bass is going to eat, you know, a fly that's the size of a dime. Like, that's a trout fly. So, it's there's some crossover, but there's some specialty in there as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm guessing colors play a lot 
uh, into that too. Uh, we had um, Doug Vonberg, who was a—he's an ex-pro bass fisherman. Um, he's recently retired since then, but um, and he was kind of giving the listener different basic ideas with with bass. And you know, he was talking about in the farm pond, you got white, black, and green. Like, don't <laughs> overdo it uh, yeah, with all these it. bright, crazy colors. You know, white and actually black is great in muddy, murky water. And, you know, when I heard that, I'm like, wow, I would have never thought. Right. I would have want every time I, growing up, we bought the most rainbow looking thing that you could find to throw out there. Because you're like, it's going to see it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if it's not, if it ain't chartreuse, it ain't no use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes me think of, so the only fly that I know the name of comes from the very first time I ever went fly fishing with my dad. And I'm, <laughs> I'm standing like, I don't know, 30 yards from him at Bennett Springs. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sucking. Like you were saying, I'm like, this is no fun. This is stupid. And, you know, at least I was using all my dad's stuff. So, I, you know, it wouldn't cost him anything. And I looked down at my dad. I said, dad, what are you using? And he's got his big bifocal glasses on. Cause he's in the middle of trying to, you know, move or put a new tie on or new fly on his, his uh, string. And, he looks down at me and his, his giant eyes, his giant eyeballs went through his glasses and he goes, a marabou jig. <laughs> I said, what'd you say? A marabou jig. <laughs> it's, it's, the run, it's a running joke in the family. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the way he said it. Just, <laughs> I don't think he even uses that anymore. He's like, those are garbage. I don't use those anymore. But <laughs> I just, that's all I remember from, from I always f- wanted to invent a fly and that would just slay trout at trout parks and name it one of two things. And then, you know, people would ask me, like, hey, what are you using? And I was either going to name it Mind Your Own Business or <laughs> or Get the Heck Away From Me. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. That would have been great. Yeah. So, and I've yeah, seen. It's a Mind Your Own Business. That's a good one. Um, so, when, and when you tie your own stuff, cause you know, we follow you on social media too, and we'll see your posts, um, some of your ties, obviously, like you were saying, are, are tiny, you know, for yeah. a, a trout maybe, or sure. uh, you've got some, some that at least in the photos don't look small. Um, no, no, there's, there's some monsters out there. I mean, you can, there's some flies that I tie that take, and people always want to know, like, how long does it take you to, to tie that? I'm like, well, it depends on like, what, what am I tying? I, I, there's some flies I can tie in two minutes mm-hmm. and, and that's, and that's easy. And then that doesn't take much time and it doesn't cost much. But then there's other flies that I tie that are, you know, six, seven inches long that have five different materials that take 20 minutes to tie. And, and, uh, and, you know, it, it just kind of depends on, on the application and what you want to do. And, and, and again, like you can tie one of those great big, you know, seven inch flies that you can fish for large mouth and for great big brown trout. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I can tie a little bluegill fly that'll catch me a ton of trout down at a roaring river at the same time too. So it, it just depends like, like so many other things. And you guys know, I mean, I, I follow you guys too on social media. Like how intricate do you want to get with this? Like how deep do you want to go? Like you can, you can get pretty deep. Yeah. Right. You can get super complex which makes it more rewarding or you can keep it nice and simple, which is also good too. It just, what, what do you want to do? So when I'm sitting around in January and there's nothing to do, I have no problem spending time on a seven inch, 20 minute fly because right. what else do you do? I don't care. How is it pretty cost 
cost effective to start tying your own ties or is it kind of it's all a wash really yeah, take us through the basics so, like if if someone right. listening says hey i'm going to start tying ties what is the basics uh I, obviously you know you can get more intricate but what yeah. is the basics when it comes to, to tying and kind of how it actually works i'll be honest so, i have no idea right so that's the reason i got into it and i think that's the way, reason that a lot of guys get into it or women or whatever um that you think you're going to save money. And maybe at first you do, <laughs> like, especially when you're a broke college student, you're like, oh, well, shoot, I buy this fly for $2. Like, buy it for 75 cents. Well, then, but then you, when you end up with a dresser full of materials, you're like, I don't think I'm saving money anymore. And you're <laughs> not. But, but like, that's okay. Like, at first, most people get into it for that very reason is, is to save money. And if you want to be economical and you want to save money on it, you can. If you want to drag in a, raccoon that got killed down the street and you want to skin it and you want to tie it with raccoon fur you can you can do that you'll probably have to bug bomb your whole house <laughs> which is gonna not be cost effective but i mean it, it it can be i mean you can save money but i think in the long run it's more about the reward of you tied that fly that caught that fish yeah it's just that next step into right. the whole you know down the rabbit hole, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, but at the same time, you know, like I, I sell flies online and I mean, I don't make a huge profit, but I, I can, I can sell flies and, you know, I can, you know, manage my materials and, you know, and, and still sell them and make a little bit of money. But more importantly, I'm more about trying to help people catch fish. And that makes me just as happy as, as me catching fish. When I get a customer that says, Oh my gosh, I got your flies and caught like, 20 crappie in 30 minutes. That was awesome. Thank you. I'm like, which, that's like, I which fly crappie. were you using that I built? Uh, none of your business. None of your business. Right. I, I kind of got a question. So when you started, you started fly fishing, I'm assuming, did you go straight into trout fishing or did you, cause you, you go fly fishing for bass and you could do yep. it in farm ponds and things like that. I've never, never even thought about doing that to be honest i'm sure yeah. i'm sure it could yeah. be done i'm sure mm -hmm. i would if somebody told me that like yeah okay probably but i've never seen anybody do that so did you start with trout and then you're like what do i have to do to go catch a big big mouth bass in this pond when you here? when you hear yes. fly fishing you think mm -hmm. of one you think of one fish right. or at least the normal average person does right you think of one fish and that's trout usually yeah. and right. you know tyler obviously doesn't actually do it that way i mean you'll you fish all the fish um mm -hmm. that you go after with flies um before but hold on real quick though before you get into that so you essentially have what a hook and some material that you're out i mean and you start with the hook and then you start tying from there you just learn yeah. the different patterns yeah so you basically start with a hook and some thread and uh, the thread goes on what's called a bobbin which is pretty sure that's what the same that's the same thing they have on like a sewing machine like a bobbin i think anyway i'll take your word you for it. it yeah maybe i don't know i don't sew. i'd like to learn how um but you you basically use thread to attach different materials to a hook and um there's anything from uh you know natural fibers to synthetic fibers um but yeah that that's essentially what you're doing i mean there's some flies that require one material and there's flies that are you know you know, 15, 16 materials, if you really mm -hmm. wanted to get into it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's basically it. Um, on top of that, and, and I could be wrong here, 
but I have never seen or heard of a machine that can make a fly. Every fly that I've ever heard of has been hand done by somebody handmade. Right. Like you, I don't, if you were going to make a machine that could tie flies, I don't know how you would go about doing it. And I'm not an engineer, but I don't know how you do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you pick some different materials and, and I used to be a pretty, uh, pretty natural material heavy guy, but then I started to venture into some of, some of the synthetic materials that they just look your fly, make your fly look so lifelike that I just, I can't get around it anymore. I, I, I finally like succumb to peer pressure and I'm like, fine, <laughs> I'll tie it with the, with the man-made stuff, but oh my gosh, it's so good. So yeah, there, there's definitely a progression there. There's definitely a, you know, and I'm going to start off with tying with one material. Well, okay, man, now I'm going to do two. Well, now I'm going to do three. Oh, this, this fly calls for four. I bet I could still pull that off. So yeah, it, it is a natural progression. Nice. I just kind of wanted to get that in there for the listener. You know, it, yeah, it basically sure. is a, a hook and some stuff. You know, sure, if you really wanted to try it out, I mean, I would find a way to screw it up, but you know, you, you can, you can do it. Um, oh, yeah. so yeah, let's oh, go. I tanned a whole deer hide for the sole purpose of <laughs> never needing to buy deer hair ever again. <laughs> That's funny. Um, oh, yeah. so yeah, let's get into what kind of Micah brought up is yeah. all the different fish you actually fish after or go after with sure. fly fishing. I mean, you, uh, unless I'm mistaken, you don't really fish for bass or crappie or, you know, any of the other fish that you think of in Missouri, the normal way. Right. Um, ultra so light. let's don't take all that. The ultralight. Or, or yeah, well, there's a lot of, you know, uh, my dad, <laughs> my dad's a, uh, got his nose up in the air sometimes with, uh, you know, if he goes down to Bennett and he sees people with an ultralight, oh, that's just, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on, dad. It's just, <laughs> that's going to be me because I don't know how to fly fish anymore. Cause I haven't done it in 10 years, but, uh, what are the different challenges that you see when let's just talk about bass up front, you know, largemouth sure. bass, that's probably the most popular fish in this state, you know, with trout. Sure. What, uh, what are the different challenges you, you bring to yourself when, when you decide to go after a, a bass with a fly and a fly rod instead of a lure and reel? Sure. So, so every fish is going to give you different obstacles that you get over that you have to overcome. So, I mean, if you fish for, like, I I started off learning to fly fish for trout, like a lot of people do. But that doesn't mean that that's all you can fish for. So when it comes to largemouth, um, you know, you've got everything from fishing mouse flies, which is maybe the most exciting fishing I've ever done in my life. Like, you throw a fly out there that looks like a mouse fell, fell in the water, and you're dragging it across the surface of the water. It's like Discovery Shark Week. It's like the great white came out with a seal in its mouth. Like I've seen it happen with a large mouth coming, breaching completely out of the water with this mouse fly that you tied in its mouth. And it's like, oh yes, that's better than catching it on a plastic worm. But like every species is going to present different, different challenges. And, and that's the fun. Like the fun is in the challenge. So when it comes to bass fishing, I mean, you've, you've got, you've got your top water, just like, any other fishing, you know, conventional fishing or whatever. You've got your subsurface, like your streamers, your things that are going to imitate minnow flies, you know, bait fish flies, uh, bluegill flies, whatever. And then you've got your kind of your, your bottom dwellers, like your crayfish flies and, and uh, you know, maybe even 
uh, plastic worms or, or wacky rid like Cinco type flies. And uh, I mean, that's, that's always the challenge. It's always the puzzle. Like I've got it literally like it's a suitcase full of bass flies. And every time I go out in the water, the first question I think to myself, or the first thing I think to myself is I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like I'm going to start with this and then I'm going to progress to option B, C and D. And I have no doubt that that's probably what every pro bass angler thinks too. Well, I'm going to start with a frog and I'll probably end up with like an 11 inch worm. Well, it's the same thing. Um, and I will also say this, that flies are quickly catching up with conventional tackle. It, it's kind of crazy what's going on right now with, with the creativity and the materials that people have at their disposal. In fact, uh, last fall, I believe, out west, and I want to say it was like somewhere in, I want to say maybe Utah or California, there was a, there was a, a conventional uh, bass fishing tournament. And the guy in the front of the boat, I mean, it was a buddy bass tournament. And the guy in the front of the boat was throwing a bait caster and conventional tackle. The guy in the back of the boat was throwing nothing but a fly rod. And the guy in the back of the boat, can he um, he basically put in 50% of the bass that the team needed and won the championship. Now, I don't think this is going to become the norm, but it, I think it is a good signal that, like, listen, this this is we're, this is climbing the ranks. This is becoming more and more um, – Oh, common practice, right? Common practice. Yes. Common practice. Like it's not becoming that weird anymore when it, it used to be, because like you said, like everybody thinks fly fishing is, you know, throwing a little bitty fly on a trout stream in Colorado for rainbow trout. Right. You can literally catch a Mako shark on a fly in San Diego, California. If you know what you're doing, like, that's not the way it is anymore. And and to be honest with you, that's why do I feel like Tyler is just that was already on your mind. That's why you said that. <laughs> like, I'm going to go catch a mako shark. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I want to do it. <laughs> I've gone, I've gone shark fishing before. Have was, you? Yes, yeah. My my extended family they're from the East Coast, and so in years past we'd always go out there and we'd always go down to the beach and a lot of times we'd go out on a charter, you know, and just go catch fish. Well, one time we went on and specifically for shark, me, my brother, cousin, and another buddy, we all went down there and we were the only ones that caught sharks. There was like 30 people on this (laughs) huge ship and we were the only ones that caught them. I think I caught like two and you know, each of the other guys caught one. What were they? They were just little, I mean, I don't know if you call them sand sharks or what. Like nurse sharks? Maybe. I don't know, but they tasted delicious. I remember that. Like it was some of the best seafood I've ever had. It was like eating a steak almost. It really was. It was delicious. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's, so cool. it's a good time. If you never, if nobody's ever been out and fished the deep sea, it's a good time. It really is. Very cool. Yeah, my cousin, he's actually, he's actually a captain now, and he's got his own little boat, and he, you know, that's what he does for a living. He takes people, and they, they go uh, for red, red snappers, I think, mm-hmm. or reds, yeah. or so. Yeah, he's been doing that a few years. So I've been meaning to go down there and just go help him for a day but haven't made it out yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, and of course, like this time of year for you, Tyler, is almost like uh, almost leading up to Christmas time because, Uh you know, crappie are starting to do their thing. Fish are either getting ready to or all in that area of spawning. And, you know, 
So I'm guessing this is the time of year that you're just you're out every chance you get. But what do you yeah. do? And, and maybe this is a dumb question, but when I think of fly fishing, I think of top water, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know that, like down at Bennett, my dad taught me how to do a uh, a leader one time. I think maybe is it called or something like that, where your your fly is actually underwater and you're using like a bobber almost. So, I mean, is that what you do in the uh, in the off season, quote unquote, when you know some of the the fish might be not on top of the water and they might be six foot deep and six foot down and you know you got to kind of go to them uh is that kind of what you do you just start going a little differently and you know sinking that fly and trying to get them to hit it there absolutely so when when you're talking about pre-spawn fish that are like super aggressive and just will eat anything you drag in front of their face well you can fish bigger flies faster more aggressively and that's awesome like that is that's great like there's there's nothing better than that. After the spawn, things start to slow down a little bit, so you need to slow down your your presentation a little bit. So yeah, fishing under an indicator, there's nothing wrong with that. Indicator. You know, I was close. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're snooty. We 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 don't call them the same things that everyone else does <laughs> because by that's now, what I said. But I'm like, that's a bobber. No, he'll know it's an indicator. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Whatever yeah, you exactly. say. <laughs> Yeah, you say bobber around a, a snooty fly fisherman, you're going to get a stink eye. Um, <laughs> and, and that's an indictment on myself as well. Well, and I also so, learned from my Uncle Chuck that even in the fly fishing community, the whole leader thing, some people uh-huh. think is cheating or whatever. He's like, oh, I don't do that that bob or whatever it's called. Yep. The indicator. Yeah. Indicators are, uh, that's, that's, no, that's, not, that's not true fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, man, you guys are just like us bow hunters. It's, yeah. yes that's exactly what it is yes it's like oh you're gonna take your 300 wind mag out and shoot a deer from a football field away look at you big tough guy yeah oh you got a crossbow that's cute <laughs> yes it's the same thing it's yeah. exactly full disclosure i'm not judging anybody we, on we that don't care. i don't care oh, no, do. uh but yeah like there, there there's a guy i ran into one time in Missouri, he was from Montana, and all he fished was black ants. That was literally it. That was the only fly that he fished was black ants. And this guy caught the heck out of fish. I could have fished a black ant all day and caught nothing. But this guy knew his game. So, um, you know, you, you kind of fish to your strengths, too. Like, you know, am, am I great at fishing something on top water? Not really. Am I better with, say, like something under an indicator? Yeah, I'm pretty good at that. I'm not too bad. Um but then you're never really satisfied with who you are and how you do things. Um, you know, I always want to catch a fish on a great big streamer, but I'm not always the most patient and most willing to do it either. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you, you tie yourself up in mental knots and it's, it's delightful all day long. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So if you had to, let's do, let's do the, probably the three main fish people fish sure. trout, bass and crappie in missouri whenever i'm thinking somebody's going to go fishing that's usually what they're going to go fish for name good call, by the way. could you name a few flies that would go good for somebody to start out with for those three fish especially let's say yeah i mean it, it, don't, it doesn't have to be the same fly i'm just saying if you're going out for trout try this one and this one if you're going for bass try this one and this one or something yeah. something along those lines so just the, a couple of flies that jump out to me are uh like a woolly bugger 
that'll catch all those. I've heard that, that one before. I've that'll heard, catch yeah. every one of those. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, you fish a uh, a John Deere, just a little little bitty like one eightieth ounce uh, jig under an indicator. That'll catch all those things. Um, if I were going to fish one fly and one fly only, one fly only for uh, largemouth, it would be a fly. And I, I mentioned this a little earlier. There's like two flies I've ever invented. This is one of them, and it's called the Brave. And it's made out of mostly like rabbit strips, which just wiggle and jiggle and move crazy underwater. And that is the one fly I would fish for for bass because you cast it out and you're stripping in the whole time. And when a fish hits it, it, it there's no doubt in your mind. Um, as far as crappie goes, I would probably say I've had more luck probably fishing a John Deere for a crappie than I have anything else. Um, and it, but a John Deere will catch rainbow trout, brown trout, you know, a- anything at all. Um, as far as trout goes, <laughs> you're not going to like this. There's no one. Marabou jig. jig. There's nothing wrong with a marabou jig. <laughs> like you can fish that on a fly rod. Um, but man, that, that that's hard to beat. That is that is really hard to beat. Oh, you're serious. Marabou jig. <laughs> oh, I'm totally serious. Yeah, I cannot wait yeah. to tell Mike. I can't wait to <laughs> I'm not Dad, kidding. You're right. Yep. But if I if I had to pick one dry fly for trout, my go-to is a Griffith snap. Oh, he loves those too. I've heard him say that. It's tied with two materials, super easy to tie. You can see it really well. And that's one thing about dry flies that I wasn't ready for. Like you might cast that thing out 30 or 40 feet, but you better be able to see it. Because if you can't see it, then you don't know when a fish takes it down. For a Griffith net, it's like a little, it's like a little, uh, like cotton ball sitting on top of the water. Right. And you can see when a fish takes that down. So. Yeah, that's that's funny. I thought he was joking. I know. <laughs> that's perfect. Dad, you made it. We made it. <laughs> Let's kind of transition. I mean, you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff we could talk about with I mean, I'm sure you've went for catfish before with flies and probably all kinds sure. of stuff. I mean, um well, hell, let's just ask the question. I'm 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 curious now. Yeah. Catfish. What's mm-hmm. the one fly you would try to use on a channel cat or a you know any any catfish, I guess, really, because you got to so, go. You got to go down and get them. Yeah, so I have I have never targeted catfish before. Like I, well, I take that back. I chummed up some catfish at a farm pond one time, and that went pretty well. Um, but if if I were going to say, like, I, I'd say there's probably three flies that that I would use that I would say will are more than likely to catch you a, a channel cat. Um, one is probably again i know i'm beating a dead horse here but one's a woolly bugger they like some days they just want to chase little bitty minnows and they don't have a problem running them down um another one would be oddly enough a john deere like i've caught so many catfish on john deere there was one time last fall me and about four of my buddies went to this private pond and i think we caught 20 to 25 channel cats in that place just fishing a a little 80th ounce 80th ounce john deere three feet under a strike indicator. And then there's another one that is called the, it's called Tom standard. And Tom is actually um, a, one of the best fly fishermen I've ever met. And he lives in blue Springs, Missouri. 
he's uh, he's fly fish for years, ex-Marine, and he kind of got me turned on to this fly. And it, it's nothing more than like, again, a little 80th ounce jig with a little marabou tail and a yarn body. So it's black tail, black body, chartreuse head. And there is something about that contrasting color that just drives them nuts. Like they just, I don't know if they see both of them or they just see one of them and think close enough and they just, I mean, they'll just gobble it up. It's crazy. Yeah. Drag that in front of them on the bottom and they just, they don't know what to do. Yeah. 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 And and you get, if you get a, um, you know, a four to six pound channel cat on a fly rod on like white line, not white, I mean like six or eight pound leader, you know, coming from your fly line, that sucker will pull your boat around for 20 minutes. And that is the most fun yeah. like you can have in fly fishing, except for maybe catching wipers. If I could catch wipers every day of the year, if I knew how to catch them year round, I wouldn't fish for anything other than hybrid stripers. Holy cow. Yeah, I don't think I've ever caught a striper either. No, they've been catching well, they've been catching a lot down in Truman, I think it is. Uh-huh. Uh, a, a, oh, a, yeah. A buddy of mine uh, that I work with and so I've been I've been uh, I've been on him this year. I'm like, "Hey man, we got to go down there. I want you got to put me on some of those stripers because I've heard they put up a fight." You would not be, like I would challenge them to any, and I mean literally any, like sport fish there is around, pound for pound. You give me an eight-pound wiper against an eight-pound whatever, I don't care. That wiper is going to pull that other fish around by the tail. Holy cow. But they're just so temperamental. Like, you got to be able to get deep or you got to get around structure and stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You give me a hybrid any day. Absolutely. That's cool. And one other thing before – I want to move on here to this last uh, thing we want to mention, but – one other thing I think it's pretty cool that you got, um, you got this little cool contraption after you tie your flies, you'll do these slow-mo videos in this uh, moving water. What, yeah. is, what is that deal? I mean, is that something you bought? Yes, it is. So it's, it's oh my gosh, it's so cool. So my my girl, well, my, now my fiance, Wendy, bought it for me for Christmas. And it is from Mountain, or uh, Flyman Fishing Company. And it's just called the Fly Tester. So what, what it does is it's just this big kind of acrylic tube and it's got a water pump that shoots out water and it recycles it back and then shoots it out again. So you put your fly in there and it gives you at least a ballpark. It's not perfect, but a ballpark idea of how that fly is going to behave underwater in current or underwater when you're stripping that fly in towards you and I have learned so much from that. Like there were flies that I tied and I thought, you are a piece of absolute garbage. <laughs> and then I put it into the fly tester and I think, no, you are not. You you're- are glorious. And I can't wait to tie you on and fish. <laughs> you're going to work. So, <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, I, oh my gosh. I noticed that. And I thought that that was, that was pretty cool that you, you get to use no. that and you get to see it, you know, oh, that's how it's going to most likely Yes. operate underwater or whatever so yeah oh my gosh and now it's i've watched some different reviews of it and people are like listen you don't really need this like you can fill up a bathtub and like you can move your fly through yeah but you yeah who wants to do, do that, that. yeah <laughs> that's the point. i don't want to fill up a bathtub with water <laughs> right uh all right let's let's kind of move on to this last thing that i'm really excited to, to talk about yep. and actually um our friends at the conservation federation um when they told me about you and we, we met each other, this was what I was really most excited about, uh, to talk about what you do. 
Uh, it's called the, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the Delta Woods Middle School Fly Fishing Club. Sorry? Tell us about that. And uh, that's that's really cool that you do that. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. And it's, it's, it, it's fun. Like, uh, so basically what it is, is um, every fall I teach eighth grade uh, middle school science at Delta Woods Middle School. And every fall um, I take signups and my, my signups are limited for 20 kids. And that's all I can take because that's all I have equipment for. And it's a year round club. In the fall, we learn how to cast a fly rod. Then we go on three fishing trips, um, uh, mainly for bluegill and bass to start off with. But then we got a, a trout fishing trip that we go on. And then in the winter, we tie flies. And I try and keep them, you know, there's a progression to it. Like start off with simple and we move up to more complex. And then in the spring, we go on three more fishing trips. And one of those is a tournament where the kids can only use flies that they tied. And uh, we give out a trophy for that. And then we give out a trophy for the angler of the year at the end of the year. And that's a combination of like you get points for coming to meetings, learning new flies and catching fish. So um, at the end of the year, we give out this great, big, beautiful um, angler of the year trophy. And uh, it started about eight years ago. And it didn't hurt that I had the son of my building principal in my first fly fishing club. And my principal went home one day and he's like, Dykes, my kid's tying flies at the dinner table at like nine o'clock at night and like falling asleep tying flies. What'd you do to my kid? (laughs) I'm like, well, I probably ruined him, but you're welcome. Uh, but yeah, it, it just kind of grew in from like two or three kids wanting to want to learn. Hey, we hear you talking about fly fishing. Like, can can you show us a little bit more? So now it's a year round deal where I've got, you know, a, a pretty good chunk of kids, and and uh, they they're they're pretty good by the time it comes to April and May. We went on a fishing trip, uh, two yeah two days ago. And uh, I had one kid catch 23 fish on a fly rod. One kid caught 16, one kid caught 14. And by the end of the year, they're pretty doggone good. And it's cool because at the end of the year, I get to stand by them and fish with them. Yeah. Whereas at the beginning of the year, it's more like, well, I'll take your knot out. I'll tie that knot for you. I'll pick up a fly for you. But it, the, the gratification you get at the end of the year is just, okay, like you're ready to go off into the world on your own and conquer the fly fishing world and, You've got everything you need to do, buddy. Yeah. Every school needs to do something like that. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, that's very cool, man. So is this so a school-sponsored program? I mean, how do you guys raise money for the program, and, you know, how does it work? So a lot of it has been, I would say, probably 90% of it has been donations from other fly fishermen. Um, I've actually got enough equipment now that I could actually donate an entire – um, probably about 18, well, 16 to 18 rods and reels and probably about 16 fly tying stations to anybody else in the state of Missouri that would want to start something like this. We've Sounds upgraded like our, yeah. yes, please. It's sitting around collecting dust. We've upgraded all of our stuff. We went from, you know, basic fly tying and fly fishing equipment to, to better stuff. And I, I I'm just begging somebody to call me up and say, Hey, ship me all that stuff. I'll take care of it. And I'll start my own club. And then when they start their own club, you better believe there's going to be a competition between the two crews because I think there's only one middle school 
school fly fishing club in the state of Missouri, and we need another one. Well, it sounds like you've got the stuff that is there's a second school ready to go. Yeah, they just need Please. to start a club. They need, they need somebody need call it. me. Yeah, they need the guy or girl to take on that challenge. Yeah, is there Absolutely. anybody out there? <laughs> there's a lot of schools. And to be honest with you, that's what happened to me. There was a parent of one kid in my first club, and he goes, "Hey, my dad said, how many rods do you need?" I'm like, "Uh, 18." And he goes, he comes back to school the next day. He's like, my dad said he'd have them for you tomorrow in the parking lot before school. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. Come and to it, find out, and I, I hope this is okay, but sure. Like, he worked for Rogers Sporting Goods and Liberty. He's like, I work in the distribution center. I get this stuff for like next to nothing. As long as you keep kids fishing, you've got a classroom set full of rods. And my jaw just about hit the floor. And I was like, it, this was meant to be. I don't yeah. think this is an accident. Like this was meant to happen. So that's awesome. Yeah. Somebody please call me and take these rods and fly tying stations. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you just heard it from Tyler Dykes. There is, if there is another school out there, another teacher yeah. listening right, right now, um, you can start a fly fishing club at your school. Uh, if you get all the your approvals and all that fun stuff, you got to yep. go through and it's right there waiting for you. Um, yep. which is pretty cool. I did not know that part. So that wasn't something that yeah. we were planning on talking about. So, um, yeah, somebody please it's it's just sitting there and 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 in terms of liability for a teacher because i always have to worry about like what what's going to get me in trouble here's what i do on fishing trips the kids go home their parents take them to the lake they stay with their kids at the lake and they take them home now two things have happened because of that number one i have no liability if the kid gets hurt they go home but what also has happened is parents get into it as well and they're like hey can you sh- like my kid's doing this. Can you show me how to do that real fast? And then it becomes a family affair. I, I that was one of those like unexpected um, kind of windfalls. And I thought, oh my gosh, yeah. like, this is growing beyond just kids. You're this getting cool. more people involved in the outdoor community and yes. world than you than you think that you are. Never would have really been cool. That. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I think it's a terrific, you know, that was uh, honestly 90% of the reason I wanted you on originally until I got to know you more. It was about this, this program you run um, because you just don't see a lot with fly fishing and that sort of stuff. You, you do see some bass teams, sure. some bass, uh, high school bass teams. And uh, I guess you, which is that. great. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. of that too. Um, you just don't see it with fly fishing as much. And, and then of course it's right there close to where, you know, I, I live. Blue Springs is, is pretty close yeah. to, to where we live. So um, that's, that's a terrific program. Um, you know, I think what you do is really cool. Um, you know, Mike and I are not the biggest fly fishers uh, anymore. I mean, as I get older, I might take it back up, but the kids have, uh, uh, cut that part of me out right now <laughs> you know you only get Don't to pick that. certain things uh, at this point in your life but um so before we hop off why don't you uh plug your website and all your different uh social media platforms and um go from there sure well thank you very much i i appreciate it. i i appreciate all the kind words like you guys are very flattering and i i appreciate you guys having so many nice things to say um, as far as uh, the blog goes, it is showmeflyguy.blogspot.com, and that gets updated uh, every Monday through Friday um, in the morning sometime, usually between 7 and 9 o'clock. Uh, as far as Instagram goes, that is at showmeflyguy. Um, I don't really have a Twitter account because that's there's nothing but me. <laughs> Seth Poole. 
the YouTube channel is pretty good. I got about I got over a thousand subscribers on that, and that is again just just search show me fly guy. Uh, I have a TikTok account. Uh, again, just show me fly guy, and there's a few videos up there. I'm working on getting some more this spring when you know it's not just pictures of flies. It's a little more a little more interesting uh, beyond that. And then the Etsy store where I actually uh, sell flies that I tie is just, again, show me fly guy, just search, show me fly guy and you'll be able to find it. So you would be uh, uh, proud of me, Tyler. So my daughter, um, we're not the best social media guys. And my daughter uh, was, so who, what was it? Andy, Andy did a, Andy had a TikTok where he was able to do like a video of our buddy Pat turkey hunting and yep. he did it on TikTok, oh, and then he sa- and yeah then he saved it and then uh put it on instagram well you know they got rid of it or whatever and yeah. i'm like man i wish we we could do that that'd be really cool to try to do that and my daughter is like why don't you just use ig reels i'm like what's that <laughs> <laughs> and so my daughter shows me we shouldn't even have instagram i don't even know if she knows how to do this but she shows me how to do a reel on Instagram, and I've I've tried a couple of them. It's not it's not that yeah, bad. It's, not... it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, you can do some pretty cool stuff on there. We're getting and, better at the whole social media thing. Yeah, we're trying. We hate it, but we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but man, thanks for coming on. That was a lot of fun. We we learned a lot with uh, just all the different things you do with fly fishing and uh, a lot of things I didn't know that you could do. Yeah, for know. sure. Um, and I reinforced marabou jigs. Yeah. My dad is going to call Mike after this. And be yeah. like, "Hey, guess what? <laughs> I'm That's a little, right. I'm a little nervous about you two meeting at any point in time because you might regret that because you might just have somebody that's going to talk your ear off about fly fishing. You know, my dad's a quiet dude, but when you get him talking about fishing, just it's all over. Off he goes. Those are my favorite people in the world. <laughs> So, well, man, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All right. Thank see you. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you, fellas. All right. Thanks, Ty. All right. That was good. That was really good. Thank you, Tyler, for coming on the show, giving us some tips, some tricks. And who would have thought that people actually go out there and they fly fish for pretty much everything? Makes sense. I mean, it does make sense. I just never thought of it. You know, I mean, I I wasn't the one that was going to be like, you know what? I'm going to go try to catch a bass. Right. I would never think, hey, I'm going to go bass fishing and grab a fly rod and stuff. I just, you know, wouldn't even cross my mind. I'd be more worried about like all my stuff getting like caught up in in trees (laughs) and, you know, all that. Yeah. But uh, we we appreciate Tyler coming on. Um, It's a really good show. Uh, Check him out at all his uh, different sites he's got. I mean, he's got a, a blog site. Instagram, uh, Facebook, TikTok, Etsy. Uh, he sells his flies that he makes. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a really cool follow too on social media because he's he's got some just it's different content, really. Right. You know, more than anything. So uh, he does some good stuff. Yeah, you won't be disappointed if you start following that guy. Right. Another thing we wanted to bring up, we uh, wish we would have brought it up at the beginning of the show, but we kind of forgot. Yeah. Um, uh, our partners, Cuddyback. Uh, have given us a promo code for our listeners. Yeah, so you, if you guys are looking for some trail cameras or other things that Cuddyback's offering, they have offered a promo code, and that promo code is... Uh, M-O-W-W-21. Yeah. And that's M-O, M-O yeah. for Missouri. Yeah, Missouri. Woods and Water. 21. And you'll get 10% off uh, 
a 10% discount on any order. Um, yep. So check that out. Uh, that can save you some money if you're getting like the Cuddy Link system. Um, you know, I mean, uh, four cameras and, and the, the Cuddy Link system. Right, and they got all kinds of different setups you can get. You can get the two camera or three camera. I think they can get all to like yeah. 16 or more. Yeah, you can, I know. Well, I know you can hook up a total of like 16 cameras on one unit. So that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I so ain't, I ain't got that type of property to <laughs> where that's necessary unless I just want to put it on that, every tree. That type of cash. <laughs> or that type of money. I mean, you know, but it is what it is. Yeah, check out, uh, check them out and use that promo code. That'll help you out. Um, and uh, what else? You want to end the show there? Yeah, that'll do it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.